Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Keyboard to the boardroom. This is the business of esports. The worlds of gaming and esports are evolving every day faster than ever before. With YouGov's living data, you can probe into the real thoughts and behaviors of esports fans and gamers worldwide. If you're a team, a brand, an agency, or a rights holder, you should be talking with YouGov. They're partners with the biggest names in esports and the biggest brands all around the world, driving compelling results every single day. Check out yougov.com slash B-O-E and schedule a call 
with YouGov today. From the keyboard to the boardroom, this is the Business of Esports Weekly News Show slash post-podcast live stream. I am Paul the Prophet Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friends and co-hosts, the Honorable Judge Jimmy Barada, Lindsay the Boss Poss. For those of you who are new here, welcome. What we do is we cover the most pressing gaming and esports topics and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this industry, and best of all, with the live stream, you get to participate, ask questions, get in our faces, challenge us, all those good things. We welcome it. We encourage it. It makes it so much more fun. We thank everyone who comes for the live stream. How are you guys doing? Happy New Year. Officially our New Year uh, weekly news show. Lindsay, how was your New Year? Happy New Year. So despite the knee, I went out and danced, which was great. I said I was going to. Everyone told me that was a bad idea. I did it anyway, and I don't regret it. So good start to 2023. Did you tell your doctor, or are you hiding this from Well, my doctor asked why I haven't started jogging yet. So he's like way in a different category than I am. (laughs) My physical therapist, on the other hand, was none too pleased. (laughs) I really like your background, Lindsay. That's new. Yeah, you uh, just set that up, or or is that digital? It looks digital. this is my dining room. You're all welcome. Nice. <laughs> I am often in it, but no, I haven't. I haven't made it up to the third floor studio since surgery. I just haven't really wanted to climb all the stairs. So, <laughs> dining room this week. Jimmy, your office is looking uh, more evil than ever. <laughs> yeah, so I'm on the bridge of uh, the Death Star. So <laughs> until until my actual office gets a little cleaner. Uh, I'll be in outer space. Uh, Matt says, Jimmy, love the background. Chris says, new year, new office for Jimmy. There you go. New office for Jimmy. Um, Guys, let's uh, actually, before I jump into it, I do want to tease the podcast this week. We had John Bravda, uh, who is the CEO and founder at a company called Gamer Gains. Uh, Very interesting company. Very interesting take on what you guys know, uh, if you've listened to me or watched me at all uh, over the last uh, while. Yeah, I'm pretty down on Web3 gaming and blockchain-based gaming in general. But their take on it is interesting. It's They want people playing Web2 games, or can we just call them games, like normal games, uh, but applying a layer of essentially Web3 on top of the games we already play and love, which I think is an interesting take because those games are fun already. Uh, so the fun component is sort of solved for and I think what they're doing is interesting. I think you guys will enjoy the episode. It's uh, it's different. You know, we haven't had a lot, whole lot of Web three gaming sort of content on the podcast, so I think you guys will uh, will enjoy that. So definitely recommend tuning in this week when that episode drops. It's with John Bravda from Gamer Games. Gamer Gains. Whew, it's, a, it's a bit of a tongue twister when you have to say it a few times. All right, let's jump into some news though, because there is uh, there is. There are a few big news stories this week that I think we need to cover. And the first one, I start with this one on purpose. In the past, I've done sort of predictions for New Year, you know, for the next year kind of thing. In this case, it's actually a prediction I had years ago, literally years ago, when we just started Business of Esports. And it was around Fortnite Esports not being sustainable, probably not being, you know, not, not, not surviving. I guess is I, you guys can go check out the old blog posts on businessofesports.com. But the fact of the matter is I, I was pretty down on Fortnite esports as, as having a competitive future. And then I saw this story to basically kick off the year with the headline, Sentinels abandons competitive Fortnite, leaving a former world champ teamless. So basically, Sentinels has officially pulled out of Fortnite from competitive Fortnite completely. 
And as a consequence, they're not signing, re-signing any of their Fortnite players. So that includes Aspect, uh, Zypha, and Booga, who is where, who the person the, in the headline that's being talked about here. And Booga obviously won the 2019 Fortnite World Cup. So he won $3 million, yeah, $3 million for his first place finish. And some have argued, at least on Twitter, that he put Sentinels on the map. So there's been some backlash here. That, you know, they're abandoning this kid who basically made their organization kind of a household name in the esports space because of his big win. But now he's a free agent and Sentinels are moving out of Fortnite, competitive Fortnite entirely. I will just add one last thing. The reason they gave, and this is from Rob Moore, who, by the way, has been on this podcast. So you guys should definitely, Jimmy, I'm sure you'll pull what episode number that is. But uh, we had the guys from Sentinels on this podcast. And he said... The strategy moving forward is to focus on games that provide the opportunity to activate for our sponsors or offer team-branded in-game content. Fortnite doesn't provide that opportunity, and so therefore they're, you know, they're moving on. That is the reason he gave for why they are quitting, basically, competitive Fortnite. Curious to get your thoughts, Lindsay. I, I, maybe start with you. I, I, you were nodding your head, so I don't know if you were agreeing or if, if you had... A thought on this. I was laughing at you saying that you have said that Fortnite's going to fail for a while now because I was very privy to those discussions. And yes, you did indeed. <laughs> um, I did say. I think that this is interesting because I think it tells us a lot about the way teams are funded and how important advertising opportunities are and branding opportunities are to teams and to their funding strategy. And since we know that like teams historically have struggled with funding, um, this to me says a lot about like what's going on in the team space and how they're thinking about the upcoming year and goals and fulfilling sponsor requests and all of that. I don't necessarily know that I believe that I, I don't I don't feel strongly about either side in this debate. I don't feel strongly that Fortnite isn't doing enough for teams. And I don't feel strongly that this is the right move for Sentinels. Like somewhere kind of in the middle where it's like it just seems like they're not happy. Why not leave? I don't I don't think that there's like a right here. It's fascinating to see different teams choose different strategies um, for monetization. And this clearly advertising is very important to them too, or branded in-game content. What do you think of the backlash, Lindsay? Like, uh, do you think it's fair? Do you think it's deserved? Do you, do you buy the argument that like, hey, he made you, you need to keep him forever? Like, how do you feel about that? It again says a lot to me about Sentinel's strategies that they don't want to be or maybe that they don't want to be a, as content creation focused um, or as streamer focused as they do on like championships and winning. Like I, if you're not going to support the eSport, then I don't think that it's a huge deal to not renew a contract. They also didn't cut off a contract, right? They just didn't renew it. It's not like yeah. there's ill will. They said he will be signed somewhere else. Like Booker's is going to have plenty of opportunities as will the other players, I'm sure. I, I think that people just get mad, but I think the reality is this was much more of a like non-decision than a hurtful thing towards either party. Um, and it just kind of is what it is. <laughs> I guess the, the the business the the business question I'm trying to get at, and this is for both of you guys, like the, you you have to weigh this, right? Like how many fans do you lose as a consequence of this move versus like how much cost savings here and you know, resources you can put in other places. And and where do you think that balance sort of, what, what which side tips the scales? You know, do they make a lot of, do they lose a lot of fans who, who are disenfranchised now because they've, you know, the star player is gone? Or do you think, you know, that's maybe inconsequential here? No, yeah, I've been uh, 
been quiet here kind of thinking emotionally guys i was kind of outraged when i read this story you know i'm a big booga fan i was a huge Fortnite gamer in 2018 2019 2020 uh up until the first Warzone dropped and he i i'm one of those people that was like what he put them on the map and we had rob moore on and obviously we know how well they're doing how great their valorant team is doing for example they're expanding they're getting into just you know community building in general with their memes and and kind of how they're they're going about their brand you know when i got past my own personal fanboy interest i looked at it and i said hey this is actually one of the huge benefits of getting into esports and video game team ownership and in the industry in general right if you're in football if you're in traditional sports you can't just really drop you can't just drop football altogether the way they're dropping fortnite right that's a multi-billion dollar process for one but also that's pretty much the core of their business and in video games these orgs have five six seven titles that they compete in sometimes more like with liquid of course one it shows the benefit that they don't have to be subject to a losing game or to an esport that doesn't really seem to spur that competitive edge that that it once had so it's pretty interesting i think to see teams that are willing to abandon a tier one game, a massively popular game, because it doesn't coincide with their business interests or because they're not seeing a relevant payout from the esports sector. Whether or not they should have kept Booga on as a content creator, you know, is something else altogether. But uh, so, you know, I, I kind of, I do value it or admire the bold move from a business perspective. But yeah, from the, the fan in me just thinks everything about this is wrong. No doubt Booga is going to land. Well, I don't even know if he needs another team, guys. What do you think about that? Like he could just, he's big enough to just be on his yeah. own, doesn't have to share his cut with anyone anymore. Just have, you know, just stream and, and play solo. Do you need to be part of a team to compete in esports, Fortnite, Fortnite esports? I don't think so. So I don't know why he would, unless they gave him equity. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is safe. It's a place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For example, it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who experience major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game Presents today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game Presents. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park 
That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount+, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. I want to add an unpopular opinion here, and I know it's an unpopular opinion, and, and I'm scared to almost say it, but I have to because I believe it. I, I think what Booga accomplished is is amazing, right? Like World Cup was the the pinnacle of Fortnite esports. It was a huge achievement. He made a ton of money. He continues to make a ton of money, and, and for that, I admire the guy. I think it's incredible what he's accomplished at his age. So I don't want to take anything away from Booga. I will say, though, as a content creator, I find him kind of boring. I find a little bit plain, like like watching Toast. I don't think he has enough of a, a enough charisma to sort of carry a long career as a content creator. I think at some point, the Fortnite skills fade, and I, I don't know what else is, is there. And so... Like the business, the the ruthless business person in me goes, this is probably a good move on Sentinel's part because if he's not winning championships, I don't know if he brings enough value to justify probably the kind of, you know, salary he commands or the at least the kind, whatever, you know, his expectation was in a, in a new deal. Because I just don't, you know, he's not like an XQC. He's not a, you know, he's not a guy who goes from competitive to content creation, I think, that effortlessly and can carry an audience long term. It could just be his young age. But and I know this is an unpopular opinion because I know there's a lot of Booga fans, including you, Jimmy. But I don't know if you've ever spent any time watching his stream. It's not it's not great entertainment. Let's put it that way. Um, and so I think that this is probably the right move. Again, assuming they wanted to get out of Fortnite for for other business reasons, it doesn't make sense to keep the people on um matt says this says more to me about sentinels than Fortnite. i feel like all these players will find new homes no question i mean they're all great players christian says it's been a long road for epic's negligence for its esports scene it started off so hot and it couldn't keep up with the hype i mean christian i called it basically from the very beginning because it was obvious to me that epic did not care about esports but for them it was a marketing exercise to get people to play the game and buy some skins and get some press but I don't think they ever genuinely cared about esports, and you know they never really built a team to to build out their esports e- ecosystem. They never needed to, to be clear. I mean, they've monetized well enough not doing that. Lindsay, you're right. I mean, they've made a ton of money on a game that they didn't they didn't need esports as a driver of new you know new players. You're you're absolutely right. Christopher says more money for Epic selling Fortnite apparel and toys and Target than their esports strategy. Sadly, yeah. I think they focused where they felt there were bigger dollars. And I suspect if you looked at it on the whole, esports was a money loser for them. It's hard to value how many players like World Cup brought to the game or how much, you know, purchases it drove. But I suspect it was a it, it was a money sink and a marketing exercise. So um, this was not unexpected, guys, in my mind. It was I, I just I thought it would happen sooner, to be honest. <laughs> Surprised. This, these kinds of defections haven't happened more frequently and in larger quantity, but I think they're coming. All right, guys, let's talk about Tencent. Tencent in the news this week, and I think some big news out of China, maybe some positive news for once, if you want to look at it that way. 
And the headline here is Tencent lands major gaming titles. And what's happened here is they finally approved 40 licenses for foreign titles. This happened in December, so you know, just a few weeks ago. And among the group of approved titles, two big ones, Valorant and Pokemon Unite, uh, which is interesting. I didn't know this. Pokemon Unite was co-developed with Nintendo. So it was a Tencent game already, basically, that they had to get approved. Obviously, this, this happened. You know, we followed the Chinese sort of uh, environment for a while now. But just as a reminder, Chinese state media at one point branded online games as mental opium and a health detriment to minors. And they, they had started cracking down and regulating how much time you could play. But now they're granting approvals to new licenses, to new games. So it seems like a bit of a turnaround. Interesting that Valorant's on that list. And, and then the other piece of this article that I thought was interesting is they sold off in January. So just literally like two days ago or a day ago, uh, a $3 billion stake in C, which they own. And C produce is the, the company behind uh, Garena Free Fire, which is their major title and the biggest gaming company in Singapore, based in Singapore. So the, Tencent has sort of divested this interest in C. And, and that, you know, we can discuss, what do you guys think of that? Does it mean... There's a little bit of a pullback from gaming investments. You know, why would they sell this stake? How do you tie that to approving new licenses and new foreign titles like Valorant? Jimmy, maybe start with you. Uh, I have mixed feelings on this. I loved Tencent circa like 2020. I thought they were really on fire. I think everyone had a bad year 2022. Tencent especially, I thought had a bad year. I mean, you can just look at their stock portfolio and, and kind of monitor the decline. The $3 billion sell-off to me doesn't, I, I think they want to repurpose those funds, right? For something like a catchier title like Valorant here. Uh, and the fact that they went after Valorant for me is just, good, you know, I mean, Valorant hasn't even hit console yet. So that's going to be on the horizon. Competitive Valorant is just taking steam or just take, you know, just taking its stride. So uh, I, I love the story. To me, this was reminiscent of the Tencent of old, which was a little bit more strategic, a pretty big swing. Three billion is a lot of money where they can, you know, outright acquire studios. But the underlying concern remains that that little caveat about operating in China and how volatile that space has been. And I just don't know if you can trust. I mean, are you, you know, encouraged by the approvals, though, Jimmy? Like, do you think maybe we see a turnaround in 2023? What's the crystal ball for 2023? China starts approving more foreign titles, you know, en masse? Or is it like, yeah, I think we're safe for a year, but you can't really have a lot of security beyond that you, you ride the wave and that's kind of the nature of the beast over there so it's hot while it's hot but I, I i don't think you can say the same for 2024 so you kind of have to make those investments or those bets with that in mind right that you if you're passive well not investment advice not legal advice but if you're passive i think i i, I take my profit when it's there and then i you know and then i play with house money but I, I just can't I can't commit to this long term. I can just say I like the move, but it's still subject to a very fickle underlying kind of industry or, or region at its core. Lindsay, I find it weird, right? Like that they need to get Valorant approved at all, considering it's made by Riot, which is owned by Tencent, which is a Chinese company, and Pokemon Unite co-produced by Tencent, which is a Chinese company. Like, so these, the two games that they mentioned in the article are already basically Chinese companies and games, if you want to think about it that way. What I would love your take on also is they renamed Valorant for the Chinese market as a part of this. And I'm curious, why and what do you think of the name? And the name, just to be clear, is Fearless Covenant. It's great. I love <laughs> it. Um, no, I... 
I wish I had more of an insight, particularly on the marketing and renaming process of what happens in China, because we've seen this with, I mean, every piece of media that comes into China. And it's a, it's, it truly is astounding that even the ones developed in-house, there's some different version in China than the rest of the world. So I would love for someone who's an expert on that kind of thing to like lend any ideas as to why something like the name change happens. I have no clue. I don't know if it's like intentional to make citizens feel like they're getting something more special to differentiate themselves. I have zero idea why that's done. Super curious practice. So if anyone listening out there knows why products are renamed, please write in. <laughs> but when it comes to if this is, you know, going or a signifier of a better year in the gaming industry in China, I, I don't think any of us really truly believe that. Everything is still so subject to the whims of the people who are are making these decisions. And those whims can change very quickly. And different news stories, different pieces of data can be something that triggers a completely outsized response. So I, I don't believe that this says anything about the market at larger trends that we see. I still think it's pretty unpredictable and very, very subject to human error and emotion, um, which is not great for the people who are developing there. Um, but I guess at least for Riot, now they have a big new market. So that's good. <laughs> I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it affects the in-game experience for Valorant also, right? Like, mm -hmm. does this bring does it bring more problems? That'll be interesting. Matt's point, I think, is, is, also on, is also an interesting one. He says, I guess this makes sense since they claim that they have cured gaming addiction. It seems more likely that China's economy felt the sting and they were forced to reverse course. I mean, that... I mean, that is the, you know, the more cynical view that this was a, an, an economic decision. Have, feeling like they cured gaming addiction, that feels definitely like state media, like uh, propaganda <laughs> in this case. But uh, yeah, it, it's interesting because, again, they're not really foreign titles. That That is what really sort of nagged me about this story. They're not really foreign titles. And so... Lindsay, to your point, not only do I wish I had more insight on that market, I wish I had more insight into the internal kind of workings of Tencent relative to the state, basically, because you would think a Chinese company would would be pretty cozy with regulators and government entities and things like that. And, and maybe Tencent is just not perceived um, within China as being sort of in line with the you know, with the party. I, I don't know. It's an interesting relationship and dynamic that we see every so often just a byproduct of. And it's not clear if, you know, Tencent is being targeted or if Tencent is the the golden child or where they they actually stand. So, um, but I guess good for China that the and, and Chinese gamers that they can now play Fearless Covenant. Chris, Christopher says, the timing for opium esports dens couldn't be better. Esports monetization <laughs> problems solved. <laughs> I'm sure that's coming soon, Chris. I'm sure that is exactly what they had in mind for China. Let's switch gears, guys, from China to India, because India didn't want to be left out this week. They also had big gaming news. This is a story that we will probably end up talking about more than a few times. I think this is going to come back because I do think uh, when a government puts so much weight behind gaming, interesting things happen. And the headline here is, India's government is backing an ambitious growth plan for animation, visual effects, and video games. So they've backed a plan to grow these industries exponentially over the next eight years. They want to create 2 million jobs. It's a huge number. 2 million jobs during that time. They're going to launch a Create in India campaign for domestic game uh, content creation. 
They're going to host gaming industry events in cities across the country. They're going to train 70,000 school teachers in these sectors. They're going to create a platform to draw foreign investment in, among other things. There's a whole list here in this article of all the things they're going to do. What was interesting to me is, is drawing parallels between this and what we saw from Saudi Arabia, right? And their national strategy, which has some similar elements. I thought it was interesting that Saudi Arabia's strategy put a number around investment, right? There was the 36 billion, whatever number versus here. It was like, it was very focused on the creating 2 million jobs, but I would love for you guys to comment and draw parallels between those two, if you have thoughts and what what you think the result of efforts like this in India are going to be? Do you think it's right for the Indian market? Lindsay? I can go first. We're, we're both <laughs> muting and unmuting at the same time <laughs> for, for the audience. You go first, Lindsay. Um, this is actually super relevant because there was a, I listened to NPR's daily news podcast and there was a story about how India's population is set to surpass China's. Um, but their their population growth rate is actually slowing as people move into cities. They're building these uh, really booming tech metropolis kind of places. So people are moving from the countryside into the city to be a part of that, to have higher paying jobs and having fewer children as a result. So I think that this is exactly in line with keeping up with that trend. India is about to have a huge population of laborers, which is what China saw around the mid 60s, 70s, 80s that helped lead them to, you know, massive industrialization and huge growth in the economy. So if India can make these all high skilled laborers, then they're set on a really, really bright economic path for the future. And everything is kind of indicating that that's going to happen. Um, and so I think that the government is smart to recognize this and put investment into it now to kind of continue that high growth in the tech sector, um, high amounts of skilled labor, and sort of take advantage of the fact that there's these rapidly growing mega cities happening. There's obviously all kinds of problems associated with that. So I don't want to like paint some rosy picture that India is doing great um, by their population. There's all kinds of other issues at play. But from a very, very zoomed out lens and looking at growth and tech sector stuff, it, it the investment makes perfect sense. Saudi Arabia, I think, is more so doing that because their current economic income from oil is is fading away. So rather than having the human capital as a benefit, they have a a commodity that's becoming less popular as a as a problem. So I think that their investment is born out of a different necessity. But nonetheless, I think I think investing in all of these in in tech in general is uh is, is wise. <laughs> Jimmy? Yeah, you know, the you, you you drew the parallel to Saudi and that was where my mind immediately went. The thing that was missing, of course, is the commitment. How much are they putting up to make these jobs a reality? I understand the focus on jobs is more of a PR spin, like, hey, we're going to help our economy. We're going to do something that caters to their interests. Sounds wonderful in theory, but... I mean, this is a tall, tall order, right? So how much money are they going to spend now to make it a reality? I don't know. I agree with Lindsay completely on, on that area being ripe for this. And we know, you know how popular gaming is over there. We've seen companies like Microsoft invest in gaming companies over there. We know how huge mobile gaming, PUBG, for example, is over there. So uh, the, the, the fit seems strong. The I believe it was the VR component particularly interesting because I think it's more of a mobile first market. But otherwise, I, I just want to know how much they're, they're, they're putting to back up this, this uh, claim because it's going to require a lot of money, a strong commitment over a long period of time, and kind of unwavering support until those foundations are established. 
and that's going to be expensive, but it's also not going to be without, I think, some errors and setback and some unexpected hurdles as in anything in life. And, you know, you're not going to be able to weather that with 2 billion, right? Or, or what have you on a, on a national countrywide scale, of course. So um, it, it's interesting to see how this will manifest. But from a PR kind of move, it sounds great. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. I think it's very exciting, and I like the approach they've taken, which is more holistic, more of an ecosystem approach, right? It's not just, hey, we're going to go buy a bunch of big gaming companies and hope for the best. It, you know, it's very much like, you know, something like training school teachers is really you're thinking about grassroots kind of ecosystem building that I think is very positive. I think the other interesting piece is there's more, I think, gaming talent available in a place like India, just as a consequence of the industry having existed there for longer than in a place like Saudi Arabia. So I think there's a little bit less of a talent issue. I mean, just being in Dubai, there's a ton of Indian gaming entrepreneurs that you see here. And so, you know, the, the talent issues are, are smaller. There's a lot of tech, like native tech talent that I think can feed this. But I think the big, the big difference for me is the, the, the more holistic ecosystem approach to building from the ground up what will be, I think, a very successful gaming sector for them. There's no, there's no question the population's there. There's no question the, the interest in gaming is there. You know, Jimmy, you mentioned PUBG. I don't know what the last numbers were, 100 million players just in India, right? Like massive numbers. I think long-term for the viability of that industry though, you need, you need higher spend per player. And that's like a bigger economic 
problem, right? That to solve. That's not just like we get a bunch of people who can build games in India. It's how do you get people who have more disposable income? That's not really a gaming issue. And so that that to me is the long-term challenge. But I think the government backing here is very exciting for India, very exciting, I think, for the region in general, because it also means more talent that will be available for companies in the Middle East. And they, like there's a lot of good that will come out of this that won't just be for India. Matt says Tencent is one of those few companies that is so big they can afford to face off with China. That could be true. That would be a bit silly though, I think. Arian Zayat, sorry if I butchered that. Uh, China's reconsidering esports the other way. They lost CSGO dominance. Now Mongolian CSGO is dominating in the region. League of Legends is dominant in Korea. Riot is really focusing on Japanese esports with Valorant. I'm sure they're still quite happy that it's, it's coming to China. Arian Zayed also said, India has stable tech-wise background and also less English language barrier, which is opening a wide door to the world. That is an excellent point, actually. Uh, really good point, because English is much less of an issue there. And, and the tech background, you're absolutely right. Some of the best technology universities in the world um, are in India. So uh, it's a great point. And that, that does give them a leg up from a game industry perspective and a talent perspective. All right, guys, uh, just a couple more stories. But before we get to those, I just want to say a quick word. This live stream, very generously sponsored by YouGov. YouGov produces the best data on gamers, games, esports fans all around the world. If you're at all interested in accessing that gaming audience, this gaming market, this very lucrative gaming audience, you need to be talking to YouGov. You need to reach out to them. They produce living data, what they call living data. It's data that's constantly being updated. It's extremely actionable. You make better decisions when you're more informed. So go check out yougov.com slash BOE, yougov.com slash BOE. I'll put it in the chat. Uh, There's a bunch of free data there uh, and reports and some videos and yougov insight segments that we produced with them with a lot of great learnings. But if you want to be in touch with yougov, you can reach out to any of us. Uh, We're happy to connect you, but go check out yougov.com slash BOE. That's a great starting point. We thank them for their uh, support. Before I get to the next story, Christopher says, will there be a PC bank slash esports arena strategy or simply home gaming via mobile phones? Good question. What do you guys think for the Indian market? I definitely see uh, a rise of arenas. I think, Paul, you had brought a great point when you visited Gamers 8, especially with their use of, uh, you know, the, the different kind of Omnidirectional, you know, um, what are those? What are those called for for AR VR? The treadmill. Yeah. Thank you. You know, where these are not the things that people keep in their homes, but then you can go to a facility, try it out, and that's kind of one of the draws that attract people to facilities like that. I can see something similar with high-powered gaming PCs, where if you're in a mobile-first market, maybe because of an inability to afford, or maybe it's just not the social norm, it's still going to be fun to test your skills or to try out a $10,000, an $8,000, even a $3,000 high-end gaming PC. So I wouldn't sleep on the draw, where if they open a few of these facilities, they could be you know, very cool land cafes, right? You offer a social component and, and unique tech. Which, by the way, land internet cafes, that is very still very popular in India, right? Like, like yep. land cafes are part of the culture. They're part of the environment there. They, there's lots of them. They're, they're used frequently. Like, it, it's just part of the fabric of those smaller towns, cities, et cetera. And I have no doubt that will extend to gaming. Like, I, I, I seriously, I, I wouldn't be surprised if many of them already are offering some kind of gaming, you know, experience, even if it's sort of low, low definition or, you know, not the, not the, not the craziest, you know, deck, most decked out gaming PCs, but it is part of that culture. And, and 
people are used to using, you know, common infrastructure. So I think with more support of more gaming entrepreneurs, more support of like foreign investment in gaming in the country, I think you're going to get a lot of, of esports cafes or gaming cafe style establishments. Um, in the same way, ironically, even Saudi is doing this, right? Like Saudi, there's a lot of there's a lot of support and a lot of excitement around gaming cafes. There, it's not so much a disposable income issue. There, it's more the social component, which is they don't get in other places. But I think in both markets, the gaming cafes are going to be are going to be very popular. All right, guys, um, this story came out of Twitch, and I saw this sort of all happen live. And if you remember, we talked about Kick.com, sort of the new Twitch competitor that was being backed by stake.com, which is an online gambling, online casino website. And so Trainwrecks, who's sort of at the heart of all of this, who was an advisor to kick.com, who was one of the, I think, the biggest gambling streamer on Twitch and has moved to kick.com. He basically made a very big claim. And I'm curious what you guys think of this. He claimed that 90 out of the 100 top Twitch streamers are view botting. In other words, paying for views, like paying for bots to up their view count. And what he says is he's made a series of claims and he says that uh, 90 out of 100 are not only blatantly view botting, but we're talking massively view botting. He says, why are these streamers with my viewership average or higher than me by 20 to 30,000? Why are they sitting there so worried about me? He's gone on to claim that him and Summit were the only ones out of the top 100 that maintained a 99% logged in viewership average, whereas according to Trainwrecks, the other top 100 streamers only maintained 45% logged in accounts to 85% logged in accounts when it came to their overall average. He says Twitch is not user friendly when you're logged out, especially on mobile, and claimed that this could mean other streamers aren't the size they actually are. So Trainwrecks, you know, has, has gone after people because people have gone after him recently, right? Because of the kick.com thing and the gambling stuff. What do you think of this claim that maybe a lot of the top streamers are actually view botting and maybe we can't trust these numbers? I think that's I mean, the case on any social media platform, not just Twitcher and gaming. So uh, I, I love that he's calling them out, but I don't think that it's that groundbreaking of a revelation, right? I think- Really? Uh, you think this I, I is mean, just universally this was a, accepted? I mean, this was the whole core, the core focus of Elon buying Twitter, trying to back out of buying Twitter, right? Where all the bot accounts and it's a thing where that have been, I mean, bots have been purged on Twitter in the past. They've been purged on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. I, you know, you, you, then you kind of see who's been faking it. And, and honestly, they don't do enough of that, in my opinion, because it helps the platform to make it seem like all these people on there on there are bigger than they really are. But if you have a legitimate following that's even 45% the size you claim and you're one of these top you know, 10% of streamers, top 5% of streamers on Twitch, it just makes them look that more reputable, right? Because they have the partnered thing. They have the verification. They have an active chat. So now let me just make myself look that much bigger and it'll encourage you know, a small amount of real people to trickle to them. That's not an uncommon deceitful strategy, I think, for content creators on Instagram, Twitter, any social platform that you choose. So again, the, the, the what he's saying doesn't surprise me. It's just, uh, you know, the cojones on this guy to, to, to kind of just take a big swing and be like, hey, uh, get off me, uh, which I definitely respect. I'm kind of with Jimmy. I'm definitely not surprised at the amount this really comes down to me for a question of how influencer marketing really works and, and how audiences are reached and, 
and what advertisers are paying for. And in some ways, there's some very empty metrics that you have to reach in order to get money. So I don't even, I'm not even mad at streamers, you know, it's like you have to have this many concurrence. And lots of times companies don't necessarily know or care if they are bots, as long as there's, there's some, you know, you could have a hundred people and, and 90% of them buy something and you get 90, or you could have 10,000 and 90 buy. And sometimes the sponsors are happier with the 10,000, even if all of them are bots, <laughs> just because that number looks good. So I think that there's definitely like an issue in the influencer marketing space. I, I I think that there's a lot to be worked out with like real versus fake and conversions and all of that. And I think this is just part of that story for sure. But it's also like a pretty nascent industry when compared to a lot of other ones. So it's not surprising that like we haven't all figured out like the exact right metrics and efficient way of doing this. I think part of the problem is all the pressure that you get from short form content, right? Like I think I put Twitch in the same category as like, us doing the podcast, right? Where it's like, it's long form content. It's, it's deeper. There's a, you know, a bigger attachment to the streamer or the content creator, but you get all this pressure from like TikTok or snap where I don't know, Jimmy, what was it? Like I, I the stupid clip of me talking about how to get fresh McDonald's French fries, yep. you know, got 2 million views starts to skew people's, the, the advertisers sort of thinking around things. And it's now, if it doesn't get 2 million views, it's not you it's not enough reach it's not enough whatever and then you when you apply that to a, a totally different medium like twitch or any long form content this is where there's a disconnect right where i think part of the problem is the short form content has trained brands and sponsors to think differently and not in the not in a good way right because i i think you can have 2 million views lindsay to your point and the same 90 people could buy something versus someone who has a hundred and their followers are very devoted and, you know, will buy anything and trust them. And so I, th there's a battle here and it's playing out interesting in the gaming space. If, you know, cause if train is right, this is a lot of dollars that have been spent on a lot of streamers, maybe not in the right way. Some of these guys have been making big dollars. Will that lead to a rethink around what, what sponsors pay for, for streamers? I, I don't know. It's interesting that he's willing to burn everything down, though, like in the process of defending himself, because he does burn a lot of people, if if that is true. Um, I just want to catch up on comments here, guys. Uh, Wenji says, are there any professional top-tier Indian esports teams? I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I also don't know many teams generally. Also love how the boss is keeping us down on earth while Jimmy Paul live in the future. Yeah, our backgrounds. Top-tier Indian esports teams. Galaxy Racer um, has a strong team in India, but they're kind of all over the place in that region. Yeah. But that would be my, my knee-jerk. Trying to think uh, Indian-specific. Ampverse is another one. They're big in Southeast Asia generally, but they have a couple They have a couple esports teams that are supported. I did an interview with their head of partnerships. They're, they're awesome. And that's Yatsu-backed and stuff. So cool company. Yeah, there definitely are. And mobile esports is very popular in India because of PUBG especially. Wenji says, also, I haven't caught a stream in a show in a while, but I've been trying to keep up to date on the audio. Wenji, it's great having you and appreciate you listening. Christian says, I think we're entering a dangerous period with content creators. There seems to be no accountability with whatever is being said by the big streamers. Yeah, I also think we're at like, I don't know if it's peak, but peak sort of lack of quality in content. Like, I mean, there's this, this whole controversy. I don't want to get into it. I'm sure maybe we'll cover the story next week because it, it came out just yesterday, but... The, there's a Twitch streamer who she she just points at a countdown for like six hours straight, basically teasing that she's going to come on stream. 
And she has thousands of people who watch this just literally finger pointing at an iPad for hours and hours. And, you know, somehow this gets views. Um, I, I don't know. Botted views. Old, old man yelling at cloud. Could be botted views. There are there are people accusing her of that. It's It's been a Twitch controversy over the last couple of days. Matt says, I feel like this is not an issue limited to, the, to just Twitch. Bots are everywhere. I know Twitter and Instagram have huge bot following problems. This is true. I think all the platforms try and solve for it, but they're also not really that incented to solve for it. The bots benefit them. So, you know, it's not like an every, no one's going on a crusade other than Elon probably to, to remove the bots. The best part is since he's owned it, I've gotten like crypto scams every single day. Like <laughs> 10, 10. <laughs> like what is happening? All right, guys, that, you know, that wraps up this week's podcast, uh, this week's weekly news show. I just want to say, don't forget to listen to the podcast this week. Like I said, it's fun. It's Web3 gaming focused. Uh, it's not something we always do. So it's different. Uh, so definitely tune into that with John Bravda. And uh, don't forget, make sure to follow Business of Esports everywhere on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you name it. Uh, on all these platforms, we put content everywhere. Wenji says, sorry, I missed this. Did you see someone made an allegedly AI VTuber like other crowdsourced AI quickly had to be moderated, retrained away from being racist, was off the whole a open API chat GPT craze? That's funny. I have not seen that, but uh, a, a complete... AI VTuber? That's neat. That's a neat idea. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of people use this AI now to write like books and things. I don't, I don't know. Again, there's like a flight to low quality at the moment. Adam says Twitter DMs for crypto go crazy in Elon's Twitter phase. I, I, I feel like I always got those DMs. Chris says any BOE sightings at CES this week? Chris, I wish. Uh, but uh, it's kind of a long way and uh kind of hard to justify I'm, I'm sure it'll be a great show i don't know if you're going to be there jimmy's probably the closest but it's still not that close i don't know how there's other than some gaming laptops and like a 4070 ti from nvidia i don't think i don't know if there's anything that exciting from a gaming perspective but if there is we'll cover it hopefully some great new gaming chairs next week uh when jeff comes back hopefully and uh <laughs> we'll have plenty of, of chair stories to cover with him uh, but I do want to thank all you guys, everyone who was in the chat, uh, Lindsay, Jimmy, as always, thank you guys. Again, don't forget the podcast this week. Don't forget to subscribe everywhere. We really appreciate and uh, happy new year to everyone. It's going to be a great year. Uh, really appreciate all of you who have been fans from the beginning and wishing everyone a great 2023. Don't forget though, the most important thing, the future is fun. We'll see you guys next week. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 